Thanks so much for taking the time to come on and perform. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. You have such a kind, you know, personality. I know a lot of people feel that when they think of, you know, building this big sports agency, they're expecting sort of like this Jerry Maguire type of guy. And would you, like, I'd say that your superpower is that kindness and people probably really relate to that. But when you were first starting out, you know, as an agent, can you kind of give my viewers like maybe who your first big client was and how that happened? Like kind of give us a little bit of, you know, taste of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, when I started, I was a ferocious, no Buddha. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was scarce, right? I, everything yeah. was for me, hyper competitive. And I had a lot to prove for no reason, like I said. And so for me, you know, we as a team re recruit people, I had a, uh, a great, Myron Rolls, one of my favorite ones, who was a Rhodes Scholar, mm. uh, which was really fun. But, you know, we had Warren Moon and, and Troy Aikman, Steve Young. There's a variety of you know, just huge names that are, are involved uh, with Lee Steinberg throughout the years, over, you know, two billion in management. Um, but it's extremely scarce business. I spent most of my time trying to re-engineer using the celebrities, athletes, and entertainment. But my favorites, you know, I represented the Clemente family. I re represented the Pro Football Hall of Fame and helped market that as well. So that's every single Hall of Famer wow. uh, in football. So, that you know, we, we helped we were there pre David Baker, who's the new CEO when it was just a timely, it looked like an orange juice maker. And now they're, you know, raised $900 million and we've helped make introductions and do stuff with them. So we've made some incredible changes. I just uh, been blessed surround myself with the incredible people, incredible ideas. And I'm more proud of being, you know, Reverend Beckwith and Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and Brian Tracy and Sharon Lecter and Cynthia Kersey and Blaine Bartlett. I, uh, I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council with all of the world thought leaders. I am a world's greatest motivator with Lynn um, and Julie, uh, Lynn Harrison, Ju uh, Julie Hamilton. Uh, so that was an incredible with Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, and then, you know, just being the Chief Chancellor of Junior Achievement University uh, with over 100 million alumni for Junior Achievement now, young entrepreneurs that we support over the, all the years. I'm with those with all those great people are my chancellors, which they've generously donated all of their content to kids to be great entrepreneurs to change the world. And I'm the chairman of Unstoppable Foundation. Uh, we provide a lot of resources into Africa. So I help my local community, I help my family, my local community, my business, state, country, and the world the best that I can and be of service to empower others, to empower others to be happy. I wanted to, you know, touch upon today the moment that you decided that you wanted to shift into this, you know, helping. Like, when did that happen? Can you tell us about that? Was it meeting someone? Was it something that happened to you? Can you give us some insight on that? Yeah. So my, since I was five, I wanted to help my mom. Uh, mm -hmm. She raised six kids. And so my main purpose was I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car, which gave me the wrong relationship to money. I, I thought money would buy me happiness and love, um, especially for my mom, since that was the only missing item in my life because I grew up so happy even though I didn't have a lot. I had a single mom with six kids who worked two jobs and packed my dinner in a paper bag while she worked those two jobs. And for me, it all changed though. Uh, I achieved my goals very young. I made over a million dollars nine months out of law school, became a multimillionaire in my 20s. Wow. But everything that I did in my life reinforced the fact that money brought love and happiness. Uh, and so when I would tell people that my goal in life was to be a billionaire, 
nobody doubted the fact that I could be a billionaire. But two years before I lost everything, um, I was running the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. And uh, at that time, I was lost. And I had three warning signs that changed my life from wanting to be a billionaire to wanting to empower a billion people. The first was when I was 30 years old, um, I was blessed to be married to my dream girl, uh, a girl that I met in the fourth grade. My best friend asked her to go study at sixth grade camp. She said no. I threw an egg at her. Uh, she wow. didn't like me till later on in life, which once again reinforced that money about love and happiness. Uh, <laughs> but moreover for me, uh, my dad, uh, my dad left when I was five and he was my hero until I was 10 when he forgot my birthday. And it was bad enough that he forgot my birthday, but he lied about it. He said he didn't forget my birthday, that he didn't believe in birthdays, even though he was celebrating his own birthday and my siblings' birthdays. And that's where he went from hero to zero because I realized my dad was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator. He was a back-end seller, an overseller, and I wanted nothing to do with him. But at 30, my dad gave me the first birthday present in 20 years. And this was the first thing that changed my life because he gave me a, a short coat, a jacket, a beautiful jacket that fit. I cried when I put it on because I was so excited that I was going to reestablish this relationship. I opened it up. He had torn out all the pockets and lining. I immediately became furious and I called him. I said, why are you punishing me? It's my birthday. It's bad enough. I haven't gotten a gift in 20 years. You're a liar and a cheater. Why would you do this to me? He said, Dave, I'm worried about you because you're just like me. I said, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar and a cheater, a manipulator. I'm nothing like you, man. He said, David, you think money buys you love and happiness. I want you to learn it doesn't. I made that mistake. I want you to hang this in your closet, save it till you die. So you have it to wear to remind you, you can't take anything with you. I don't want you to be the richest man in the cemetery. Be buried in that jacket. Know that you can't take anything with you. Well, I wasn't ready at 30 to hear that as a multimillionaire married to my dream girl and my dream house and my dream boats and my dream cars and my dream investments. So I hung up on them. Hmm. Two years before, I'm sorry, two weeks before, uh, in two, 2006, two years before I lost everything, I went golfing with that best friend. This is the second thing that changed my life. Hmm. That best friend that asked my wife to go study at sixth grade camp. Hmm. And I invited him to go to the Masters. And I said, hey, how come you won't hang out with me and my friends? Come to the Masters, the famous people, and we'll have such a great time. I'm running the most notable sports agency. Hmm. He straight out said, Dave, I don't like who you hang out with, and I don't like what you're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing what those guys are doing, buddy. I, you know, I'm nothing like that. He said, David, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. I went home crying that night and I was living in shame that I knew I was surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas, that I'd been buying things that I didn't need to impress people I didn't even like. And I was doing things I didn't even want to do um, that created blame, shame, and justification in my life. And two weeks later, that's when my life changed completely. Um, and so uh, this is where I went from wanting to make over a billion dollars to wanting to help over a billion people to be happy. I wow. came home from the Grammy Awards. I went with a guy named Little John. He's a rapper. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, partied all night, uh, uh, you know, not in the best state of mind. I came home and there was my wife waiting for me at 530 in the morning. And like I said, this was my dream girl, the girl that skateboarded by my house in the fourth grade and said, oh man, I really like her. And in sixth grade, asked her to go steady. The first girl I ever asked to go steady and the last one as well, by the way. Uh, wow. So anyway, yeah. she sat there and told me, first person in years, told me she wasn't happy. And she told me the truth. She said, if I didn't take stock in 
who I was and what I wanted to become, she was leaving and I was probably going to end up dead. Mm. And once again, I wasn't ready to hear it. I was so resentful and offended. And I told her, how dare you? I've provided you everything. You haven't had a job. We have a living nanny. We have a Ferrari and a Porsche and a huge home. I travel around the world. I, you know, surrounded with the greatest, most well-known people in the world. How dare you talk to me this way? Mm. Went to bed, woke up. Since I thought money bought love and happiness, I was going to take it all. So I was thinking about divorce and what lawyer and how I could take the house and the properties and the golf course and the motorhome and all the things that I didn't need, I was thinking about. And as I was getting madder and madder, I looked over in the closet and my life changed. There it was. I hadn't seen it in years. I don't know why, just like a book on a shelf that you had been sitting there for 20 years that calls out to you saying you need to read it. There was that jacket just mm-hmm. right there looking at me. And I still get choked up today because it changed my life. You know, I realized I was everything I hated. I was just like my dad. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator, a back-end seller, an overseller. And I was living in a world of just enough, just enough for me. I was giving. Everyone said, you know, the more you give, the more you get. But I was giving to get. I was giving to trade with people, whether it's acknowledgement or whether it was recognition or just gratitude. I, I could never just give unconditionally. And... I went through and outlined my values that day to live with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. I decided that from now on, I wasn't going to work for to pay my bills. I was going to work to pay other people's bills, that everything was going to come through me, that I wasn't a victim like I was when I was a kid. I was not living in a world of not enough, and I wasn't going to buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like in the world of just enough. I was going to change my entire life to live in the world of more than enough, live confidently that everything was going to come through me for others. Mm. And when I decided to do that, I said, I'm going to live my life with a thermostat of happiness of the way I feel, not thermostat of my bank account. Mm-hmm. I no longer was going to defy myself by how much money I made. Money would be an ingredient in the mercury. It was very important because it would allow me to shop. But from now on, I was going to shop for the right things, the mm-hmm. things that made me happy by giving them away to help other people. Mm-hmm. And that's when the idea came. If I could create a collective consciousness beyond my own personal consciousness, how could I do that? And I started writing a book thinking, if I could empower a thousand people like you, Jay, you know, a thousand people that could empower a thousand people in their life to empower another thousand, to plant seeds under trees that I may never sit under, I, a thousand times a thousand was a million, a million times a thousand was a billion. I actually mathematically convinced myself not a problem. We want to hear from you, David, um, in terms of like, is there something that you do to perform like when, you know, maybe you're having a tough day, maybe, you know, you don't want to go on stage and speak, you know, is give us some insight, some background on your sort of, you know, game plan, how you get your mindset into that. Yeah, well, I uh, am a ferocious Buddha. So mm-hmm. I practice every day identifying fear. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people aren't focused in on even knowing what fear is. So I'm clearly defining at all times, not only, you know, when I'm in fear-based consciousness or ego-based consciousness, but what is it? It's the need to be right for me. I have a terrible need to be right inherent in my being, a need to be offended, a need to be separate, a need to be inferior. I had a big worthiness problem. I have a need to be superior. I have an ego problem. 
uh, in that respect. I have a need to be anxious, frustrated, worried, angry, all these other needs that most people have. And so what I started to do was pragmatically look and say, first, Dave, learn to stop when you identify you're an ego-based consciousness. Stop. And know when you stop that the first 10 minutes are the hardest. In fact, tell your, you know, I learned this through just you know, playing sports. Uh, if anyone ever worked out, I've learned that trick that when you wake up and don't want to work out, just simply say, first 10 minutes are the hardest. Because if anyone's done and worked out a lot, you know that there's those days that you're like, I'm so glad I got out of bed and did this. But the first 10 minutes, you're like, no way, no way. But then you're done and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well, the same thing holds true. The first 10 minutes are always the hardest. So that's a trick that I've learned to get things done. There's a difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation gets you through that first 10 minutes like the atmosphere. Inspiration will get you to where you want to go, knowing that you're connected to the light, the love, and the lesson. So for me... Identify number one, stop, and then learn to drop like a Buddha. So be ferocious about identifying and stopping when you're in ego-based consciousness. Now drop down to your highest frequency. For me, meditation at the beginning of the day, my routines are so important, knowing where that is. I think one of the biggest failures that people have is they live the myth of Sisyphus, meaning they work so hard every day. They push a boulder all the way up the mountain every single day. They do their best and they never understand why they don't get anywhere. It's because they allow that boulder to roll back down. Mm. Every single night, they're starting over in the morning. Mm. I believe in plateauing and growing. So I believe in understanding every day I'm going to start the day with one action. Everything else to that day's end is a reaction to that action. So I do my best every day to find my highest frequency at the beginning of the day. I find that boulder at the top of the hill. Mm -hmm. I don't allow all these. And then I can use that as a baseline to see when I'm not at my highest frequency. So I look to plateau and grow, not live in that myth of Sisyphus. So if you stop, drop down, breathe. And then ask yourself why. Uh, if we have the time, I'll tell a quick story that changed my life that I think will help everyone understand the biggest practice of ending fear that you can. I wake up at four in the morning and meditate, get ready 10 minutes, go to the gym. So it's Saturday morning, it's 4.30 in the morning, I'm feeling high frequency, ready to go make the day. And I walk outside on a Saturday and my 17-year-old daughter's car is missing. I immediately go into ego-based consciousness, right? I'm picking up my phone, I'm about to, it, it, you know, last number, and I'm about to be like, where the F are you? Where the F is your car? And then I stop. I'm a ferocious Buddha. One of the first times I've ever been that mad and been able to identify it and stop. I've identified it, but I haven't been able to have the ferociousness to stop when I'm that pissed. Mm. I stopped, and I asked myself, and I breathed, and I got into a good place because it was so close to when I was meditating. I said, why am I so mad? And I realized I'm not mad. I'm terrified. I'm terrified something has happened to one of the most important people in my entire life that I'm responsible for. I'm not mad at all. I'm terrified. So I got myself into that emotion and I dial my, my daughter in a different place and I, she answers. I wake her up and I said, where are you? She said, in my bed. I said, oh, where's your car? It's at the grocery store. Well, why? Well, daddy, you told me if kids are drinking, never get in the car. To Uber home, so I left it there, like you told me. I said, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Wow. She said, Oh, I love you, Daddy. I said, Go back to sleep. I'm sorry. She said, Oh, no, I love you. Thank you. I hung up. Now, 
that may not seem that significant in your business world. It may not seem that significant of a story, but let me tell you why it's so significant because I've seen people ruin their businesses, ruin their lives, and end up in horrible places accelerating in, in the ego-based consciousness because I would have called before and said, where the F are you? And she'd say, in my bed, why'd you wake me? I said, where's your effing car? It's at the grocery, why? Kids were drinking, dad. You told me if kids are drinking, that I should take it. Kids were drinking, you were drinking. I'm gonna take your car, I'm gonna take your phone. Don't even bother leaving your room today. F you, dad. <laughs> now, if that's not bad enough, think about next time my 17 year old daughter is drinking with the kids. She says to herself, I don't wanna lose my car. Mm. I don't want to lose my phone. I don't want to make my dad mad. Mm. I'm going to get in my car. Mm. Right? Mm. Now, no. her, life, her life could change. Mm. My life could change. Mm. Somebody we don't even know, their life could change. And I see lives change because people accelerate in the wrong direction all the time because they're not in the practice of ending fear. You need to be a ferocious Buddha, not just in your personal life, but in business. I see business deals fall apart with this exact situation because they just don't stop, drop, and roll. When you're an ego-based consciousness, your mind, body, soul's on fire. When you're on fire, stop like a ferocious man or woman. Buddha, drop down to center, find that highest frequency, and then roll in the right trajectory. Build a closer common bond to realize the tree has no branches. One branch should not go to a war against another branch and end up in a much better place or make that place better itself simply by being at your highest frequency. That is a great point. Hold that thought, though. I want to just get to our featured products, and then I'm going to be right back. So... I want to talk to you guys real quick about the new gray from Dolce & Gabbana. It is amazing. I'm telling you, the smell, wow. Honestly, it is to die for. I put this on morning, afternoon, evening. The ladies love it. I feel so just euphoric and amazing when I'm using this product. So I would definitely, if you're out there looking for a new cologne, whether it's for yourself or maybe you're a girl looking for your boyfriend, or your fiance, husband, whatever, this is the perfect gift to pick up. Dolce & Gabbana Gray, 100% recommend it. Go out there and grab it. You can go to their website, dolcegabbana.com. You know when you expressed um, the relationship with your father and how you felt? I know that there's probably a lot of people out there who have that same type of conflict, right? And you know, one of the things that you're talking about, which I really uh, find very beneficial is, you know, being this ferocious Buddha, like for yourself, when it comes to say someone that you, you want to love, because he's your father, and it's been this tough, you know, sort of, what do you do? And how do you do it for say, you know, when you're feeling this, you know, thoughts about the jacket and about this, and how do you get yourself back to that sort of, you know, they say they call it gifu, you know, that calm, sort of, you know, place when it comes to that connection, how can other people do that? Yeah, so understanding is a key component of that and looking for the superpowers in others. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where forgiveness brings peace in our lives and I don't forgive anyone because they deserve it. I forgive them because I deserve it. I deserve to find those superpowers. Ironically, if we look for the best in people, that's mm -hmm. usually what we get from them. Mm -hmm. uh, when we work, look for the worst and you know, there's an old saying, I don't usually say it on interviews, look far enough up somebody's butt, you're going to find poo. That's mm -hmm. the clean version, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I see so many people looking for poo and they're yeah. surprised to find it all the time mm -hmm. when you can look for also the superpowers. 
and everybody has them. Everybody has the quantum potential. They all have kindness within them. And no matter who they are, I have found that, you know, when I'm looking for the queen and the abundant wife that I married, the beautiful woman who's so patient and understanding and forgiving, that's what I get. If I look for the nag, I end up with a nag as a wife. And I think so many people have to learn in those situations, one, understand where someone's coming from and look for their superpowers. Now, if you can't understand, if you can't find that, pray for their happiness and run away. You mm -hmm. don't need to inundate yourself with negative energy and negative thoughts. Some people are toxic because they have their own problems and you can't heal other people's problems. Mm -hmm. And so you can try to understand them, but the best thing you can do is not add to that fuel or the fire. Go ahead and pray for the happiness. Give it the light, the lessons that you've learned and the love, but get away from it. It's okay to separate yourself from it. Uh, and if you are surrounded at work, a lot of people ask me, what if I'm in, you know, I'm forced to be around a toxic person. Understand, pray for your happiness, and then also play the opposite game. I know this might sound silly, uh, but if somebody is giving you attacking thoughts and you're forced to be around them because you're in the same business unit or you share the cubby spaces or whatever else is going on, simply use the opposite game. You know, you can go ahead and when someone's attacking you, you can say super nice things and give it whatever meaning you want it to see. Uh, and it actually has a much better effect. And you're like, oh, you're ter terrific. You know, if you want to say F you, say thank you. Uh, play the opposite game and watch how it actually can end up healing that relationship. At least, at the very least, you won't accelerate in the wrong direction, create more resistance, interference, or voids in order for you to overcome. You'll create less, less of a need for resistance and you'll have an effortless relationship at the very least. Wow. So you have a training that's coming up this Friday. Can you give us some insight on that and, and what that's about? I know there's a lot of people that are probably want to, going to connect with you. I hope so. So every Friday I do training and I pick different uh, things to work on. Last week I did productive change and did a Q&A for more town hall atmosphere because of everything that was going on. Wanted to give my insights, philosophies, strategies, and disciplines. This week is reinvent yourself or your business. So I think now as we kind of plateaued through the pandemic and things are opening up, there's an opportunity to repurpose, reinvent, re-engineer, and restart. Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to do that by taking inventory of our values and looking at our capabilities and understanding which capabilities are synergistic or supplementary to the opportunities that exist pre-vaccine as well as preparing for post-vaccine, which I think vaccine is the uh, catalyst to stability. I don't think anything will be stable. There'll always be a fluctuation of accelerated change and uncertainty right now until we get to a vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, and that'll provide a sense of stability, whatever those values are. At that time, understand that the focus now should be on three things. What skills do you have or want to develop and who can help you get them? What knowledge do you have or you want and who can help you get them? And then most importantly, how can we increase the enjoyment of the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of our potential, our desire, the must be what we can be. I've been blessed to be around the greatest athletes, celebrities, entertainers, business people, entrepreneur, politicians, the best in the world, the most famous world thought leaders. And there's one common denominator. They all must be what they can be. They're all in the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential. And if you take all three of those things into consideration today, pre-vaccine and then post-vaccine and focus in on how can you get better, be your own chief betterment officer. Look every day and say, how can I be better or make someone else's situation better? I promise you, you accelerate, you expand, 
you will grow and you will receive or attract what you want rapidly and accurately. Mm. Where do people go to get information or sign up for this training coming up in every Friday? Yeah, they, you know, they can text me at 949-298-2905 or email me at david at dmelzer.com or just go to dmelzer.com forward slash training. It's free. It's every Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every single Friday, different topics. There are replays on my podcast, on YouTube, everywhere out there. Thousands of people attend and watch. You'll love it. it. My favorite part about it is everyone's been so conditioned to be sold. They're almost disappointed at the end of the training when there's like no pitch to buy anything. They're not going to be. I'm the Grover. I'm the monster at the end of the book. People are begging, don't turn the page. And you see him, oh, it's just me, lovable, cuddly David here at the end of the book and here to empower you to empower others to be happy. Is there one thing that's come from this COVID that has been something like the most positive thing for David that, you know, you could share with us and how, and how that happened and why? Yeah, so I live by radical humility and I, I love getting older because I don't know what I don't know. And so what I didn't know is the effect that travel was having on me. Mm. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm a very positive person. And until you take yourself out of a situation or something change, you don't know. So I travel 200 days a year and wow. do my best to be balanced with my family and my health and all of those things. Uh, but not traveling for the first time since I've been 24 years old, sleeping in the same bed every day has been such a blessing. And uh, my greatest awareness is how much I love and appreciate uh, being at home, being with my family. Uh, as much as I live an extraordinary life, uh, it is a lesson that I did not value as much as I should have. I valued it. It was a priority to me, but I didn't realize how much I didn't value it and how much more opportunity I could have. I would trade sideline, and I know people are going to hold me up on this. I would trade, I get sideline passes at the Super Bowl. Uh, or I get media passes to the masters any day of the week. I'll trade mine just to have one dinner with my entire family. That's how awesome that experience is. And I think I lost sight of that and value of that. And I just reminded myself, you've got to live your life radically humble. You don't know what you don't know. Life is about lessons. Pain is an indicator that you have lessons to learn, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. So Go ahead, be humble, know that you're on the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. You never will know everything. So just enjoy that journey of learning. Thank you. And hey, thank you, David. Okay, take care. Awesome, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Jason.